Welcome back to the Green Element podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson, and I can't wait to meet our guest today and help you on your journey of sustainability. Brendan, thank you so much for joining the Green Element podcast today. I am really excited about talking about your particular niche and it's cradle to cradle. It's um, just, your company is Cradle to Cradle Design Consultancy, which kind of says what you are in a tin, as it were. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself, please? Cradle to Circular Design Consultancy. Um, The the Cradle to Cradle methodology um, is, (laughs) is... um, it is based on really authentic and um, clearly communicated metrics in terms of developing uh, sustainability uh, strategies for, for any company. So it's based on, on the premise of really deep down design in terms of, of using the right materials for the right reasons at the right times with the right people. So when we're looking at product design, uh, from a cradle to cradle perspective, we we take into consideration the five uh, what we like to call hallmarks, um, which are material health, material reutilization, um, renewable energy, water and soil stewardship, and social fairness. We take those elements. We then kind of distill them, uh, particularly in uh, in the material health segment of that. We look at um, materials down to the parts per million. So we really go down deep into the chemistry of what makes a product, what makes a healthy product. Um, And once you define that, you can then say, okay, great, we're looking at at these materials, how are we going to circulate them? Um, And then the energy used to make these things, do do they come from renewables? Um, And are we, you know, what is our effluent like? Is it it good enough for human consumption? And how are we treating the people that are working with, with those products? manufacturing those things so when you're looking at the cradle to cradle system um it's it's a it's a multi-attribute approach rather than just one siloed uh, assessment tool okay so you brought in a few um words and expressions that our listeners would be un unfamiliar with i wonder if you could give us an example of a piece of work that you've done so um, there's a, a really simple project actually that is um, is being developed and, and the project's now been taken over to the US. Um, it's a baby food macerator which is made out of uh, cradle to cradle certified uh, polymers. And those polymers were designed by the Eastman Company um, and they are cradle to cradle certified at the gold level. So that project is is literally um, a, a tool that allows mothers uh, to wean their babies by macerating food that they prepared as parents already in a, in a macerator. And that will, that will allow the, 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 the youngster to have uh, their own parent-made food rather than bought food. And we know how that, that bought food creates a lot of, of waste um, product in terms of the packaging and so forth that gets diverted to landfill, unfortunately. Um, and once that 
once that tool is being utilized, because we know babies have uh, a weaning space of about 18 months, 18 months to three years possibly. Mm. After three years, we take that product and then recirculate that on a platform which invites other mothers to then swap and change and exchange those tools. By the end of that cycle of, of use, it's probably that the tool itself is designed to to be used 50,000 times. So there's, there's about that amount of cycling uh, use. We then take that product back or the company takes the product back and repelletizes that into another product or the same product. So that's its, its true circular uh, motivation. And when you say repelletize, as in they put it down to a mold, as it were, and then exactly. so, made into something else. Well, it makes it's made into another. It's called a wonder wean, basically. Um, right. And that product is then, or the, the the used material gets washed, cleaned, and repelletized and remolded into the wonder wean again. So you've got about a ninety-eight uh, percent retention on your on your value on your materials value. Wow. So and, do you, and would you end up with? Say um, this Wonder Ween is a kilogram. I'm just making up figures. Yeah, yeah. Um, One thousand grams. Then would you would you when you repelletize it? Would you get a thousand grams, or would do you lose stuff? Yes. Yeah, you you, you would slightly degrade down to as I said about ninety ninety eight percent of the full value of that product. So there's a two percent. Uh, loss, which is actually not bad if you think about the reclamation of, of value. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And, and that's quite a—it's quite a, a definitive difference. A lot of the a lot of products that we, you know, any plastic product that we get out there, uh, most people just throw that away. So if you're retaining the value of that thing, that creates a different way of looking at how to uh, how to manage a business model because then your business model depends on people being responsible for the materials, you know. Um, and as a, as a customer, you want to know when you're buying something, you want to know that, that that company that you've bought this thing from has taken those things into consideration and given you an easy route to to abide by those, those strategies. Mm. And it's there, there's a lot of talk, and I know we all live, work in circles, so maybe it's a lot of talk on my LinkedIn and um but there's a lot of talk about plastic and i think probably it's in my circles and i'm putting inverted commas up because i did a podcast with a guy about plastics and um there's a lot of people that are saying plastics aren't bad it's what we do with plastics that's the bad thing and what and how we deal with plastics does that fit with i mean it sounds like it fits with what you're doing and i've been told not to lead then people into things. I'm gonna, I should have, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can say whatever you like. Um, I think it's very clear in terms of, of that strategy and, and whoever that, that person was that mentioned that or stated that uh, is, is right on the money. You know, um, what I've, in fact, I have a, an article on LinkedIn that, that states plastic is not the problem. And the article goes to, to explain the fact that, you know, plastic is actually a great material. It's, if it's utilized properly, if we don't utilize it then uh, and we throw it away, then it becomes a problem. So mm. it's our custodianship of the material that is in question. It's not the material. It's just an inert uh, 
bunch of chemistry from the, you know, the, the periodic table, you know. So for us to be custodians of, of the things that we make is, is the trick. And that, you know, that includes everything beyond plastic. Yeah. It's the 98%, you know, that, that of what you just said kind of epitomizes that, doesn't it? Because a, um, quite a lot of stuff just goes to landfill when it's plastic and it just shouldn't. It doesn't make sense. If you can do, if you can put something in together and reuse it or use the energy from it, and I believe that's almost 100%. So you can almost convert it back to 100% of energy. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you and also disagree with you <laughs> because ultimately the I, I don't think that plastic was ever meant to be a fuel per se. I mean, yeah, yes, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not honestly not saying that you should be yeah, doing that. But yeah. I'm just kind of reiterating that it's actually incredibly valuable. And what on earth are we doing putting it into landfill? Absolutely, absolutely. So so this is the trick with. What now, you know, people are calling the circular economy or, or materials revolution is the, is the fact that we need to retain the value of the things that we make. So, you know, you're looking at buildings as materials banks, for example, use, utilizing cradle to cradle certified products in a, in a construction project, for example, is, um, is very wise because you now have probably some of the highest quality materials in that structure, which then um, lend themselves to obviously now that they have RFIDs and, and uh, QR codes and all these these identifiers, um, and there, there's a full database of all of the materials. That database is now right. You have a library of these really quality, high quality materials. You know where everything is. You know how long it's been there for, um, and you can identify that. That data then becomes a tool for futures traders to to trade up the value of that material down the line in 30 or 40 years' time. Because that building was built to deconstruct and it can then be deconstructed and reconstructed, um, you know, down the line, Wow! it, it becomes a value chain asset rather than uh, yeah. you know, rather than something that gets demolished after 50 years, as we've seen a lot of in the last 10 years. London's been kind of rebuilt and, and being re, redesigned, you know, and, and a lot of buildings which have been taken out of that mix in in a way that, you know, why, why are we not reclaiming the bricks and the mortar and all of these things that uh, people 50 years ago or 100 years ago built, you know? It's it's insane. <laughs> so yeah. for us, it's very important to, to make sure that we have a value chain attached to everything we make, you know, and not, not to, to drive the cost up at all. It's actually to keep costs at a minimum and deliver value to the people that are, are purchasing these things. I have never thought about it like that before with regards to um, buildings and putting the technology in to understand exactly what's in that building. It's um, it's just opens up so much to what we waste. Like immediately you realise how much we waste and how important what you do is for society. Um, it's because it should be for everything, shouldn't it? We should be understanding absolutely everything we do and understand the what we've got for, you know, what we're using and how we're using it. So therefore almost 
right, you're mining that, you're taking that out of the ground. Where is that going? Where is it going to? And tracking that. And so we have complete control over what we're taking out of the ground. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're working with a, with a company uh, here in the UK and over in, in, uh, in Italy on, on their quarrying. You know, stone, the stone masonry industry is people, uh, you, you know, there, there's all this judgment going around, well, you guys shouldn't be taking rocks and stones out of it. But that's what we, that's what we build with, you know. So the, the responsible way of approaching that is to, is to do proper environmental impact assessments that take on all of those metrics rather than just the carbon or just the water uh, or just the energy. It's, it's about taking all of those metrics and replenishing land and, uh, and the soil and the environment um, once you've finished with that space, you know. Uh, there's a company in, in, in Italy, that, or a quarry company, that regenerates and makes beautiful dams and public spaces after that quarry's been uh, utilised. So, you know, there's the social fairness aspect of, uh, you know, these towns and these villages that are built around the quarrying industry that, you know, they've, they've been there for hundreds of years and now the, the, the quarry companies themselves are giving back to that, that community and saying, well, you know, now that we've built all these houses and pavings and so forth uh, around the world, to be honest, um, here's a beautiful natural environment Japanese garden to, to go and walk around it, you know. Mm. Um, so it, it's also about that that forethought of what is next here, you know. And, and cradle to cradle, we, we definitely define that what is next question every step of the way, you know. It's like, right, I'm going to go and buy this thing. What's next with the packaging? I'm going to buy my, you know, my broccoli. It's packed in some plastic. Are we going to unwrap that and just chuck it in the bin? Or are we going to go back to the store and say, I don't want to have plastic around my vegetables. Or this plastic conversation is, is about literally about who takes responsibility for what. And that's an interesting, that's an interesting bend, if you wish. Yeah. I mean, so if you were to think about your ideal listener on our podcast to give them advice, um, who would that listener be and what would that advice be? Well, the world is full of wonderful people, so I couldn't pick one particular person out. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I guess it would be all manufacturers, people who are making things. Um, and the, the the advice or the or the 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 request, I suppose, would be to to dig deep into what is available in the toolbox that you're using? And does that define your, your sustainability strategy as a company? Um, you know, the toolbox that, that we, we offer as, as the Cradle to Cradle toolbox has some really new and interesting ways of looking at systemic design and, and product design. So I think it's valuable to, um, to, to investigate that. So my, my request or my, you know, my, my question there would be, um, have you thought everything through? You know, can you, can you think that little extra step further? Like what is next? Try something new. That's, that's probably the, the thing I'd walk away with. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely thinking about the whole um, journey of that material, isn't it? 
Absolutely. Thinking about where, and we don't, we don't even come close to it. It's really sad. If you actually think about where we are and what we're doing, it's actually really sad. I mean, we jumped up and down for joy five years ago when we had the, um, the, that scheme that made anyone selling electrical items, they had to bring them back to the, and what was, I think what was even more sad about that was those shops and retail centers told everyone how good they were because they were, they were allowing people to bring back the electrical items even though it was legislation and they'd been told to do it. But because they knew that most people didn't know they had to do it, they were telling people how good they were. Yeah. And I, I think I say, uh, you know, and this might, this might um, be slightly contrary to, to the way many people, many people think, but um, I think the celebration of mediocrity in that situation is appalling. You know, we need mm. to celebrate championing things. You know, the, the companies themselves should take responsibility for those materials. You know, it's not my responsibility as a consumer to, 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 to be custodians of that. I want to eat the broccoli. I don't want the plastic bag, you know. I, I want to use the, the flour that's in the bag. I don't need to have the bag. So this, this packaging question is, is, is a really interesting uh, place for innovation, I think, and that's really where Cradle to Cradle comes into its own. Is we, we look at the innovation opportunities and then deliver on that sustainably or authentically sustainably, if you, if you wish. Um, and I think, yes, that example of people taking their electricity, uh, you know, electrical units back to, to the shops where they bought them from if they were damaged or whatever the case may be, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It just makes more work for other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I like to cite the the project that Philips was engaged with or is engaged with in, in Schiphol Airport. They 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 lease light. They own the actual components because they're responsible for that. So if I go to them as a as a customer like Schiphol Airport, I lease the lumen. We'll lease X amount of lumen over a period of of fifteen years, for example. Um, the lease model works in a many in many situations. Some some situations it doesn't. Um, but yes, you, you're right. We need to absolutely think out of the box and and challenge. I think challenge the mediocrity. You know, it's we need to do that. We have a university that does that went down the Phillips route. It is a fascinating uh, way of doing things, isn't it? To have someone else that's in charge of all your lighting and managing it. But it works. It works actually very well for them. And they, and I would definitely, to anyone listening, look at that model and look at the way that that model um, sits within your organisation. Because if it's a bigger organisation, it works really well. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you've got carpeting as a, as a lease model, carpet tiles with, with Shaw and Desso and Tarket, um, particularly Shaw Contract. They will contract you a carpet this year, you'll have a great design, and two, three years down the line, you can replace that as part of your, your lease model. So you know, in perpetuity, you have a soft walk on a floor. You don't need the materials, if that makes sense. It's a, it's a, it's a new way of aligning the way that we, we value things. You know, um, I value a, a soft walk on a floor and nice colors to walk on. 
I don't need the glue and the and the, and the hessian and the sisal and the wool and all those things going to making. I don't need that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's that value yeah. assessment that we need to look at. I think. Yeah, and I think people are asking more and more questions, aren't they? We had a we had um, a podcast um, guest on about a year ago now, possibly longer. Tara Button from Buy Me Once or Buy It Once. Do you, I mean, do you know? We've met on LinkedIn. We've had a couple of conversations and emails. Yes, I met, yeah. uh, met Tara. And it's people like it's it's people like. Uh, and organisations like that um, that are questioning what we're using and how we're using it. And um, it's just great that those conversations are being had. But how do we do it more? Because let's be frank, we've been having these conversations for quite a few years now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wonderful conversations, but they are conversations. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is it, you know, I think... Um, like you said, we've we've had the conversations. I think the the point to implement what we're talking about is is long gone. We just need to keep doing that. And yes, of course, conversations are important, and and it's valuable to to make introductions to new things and new ideas. But ultimately, we need to apply the the knowledge and the expertise from those conversations and and deliver the value to uh, you know both ecologically uh, and environmentally and and uh, Economically, you know, ultimately those those metrics are going to be the, the drivers that, that make the difference. So if I can prove to you uh, that, you know, this Wonderween tool, for example, this baby feeding tool could, A, save lives in Africa because uh, the, the mortality rate of, of young um, disenfranchised folk in, in Africa um is, is quite high, you know, the, the mortality rate is quite high because of choking. Now, if you take that Wonderween and you deliver that into that environment, those children, are, you're going to have a lot more surviving, right? You, you really get that food down to its, its, its mushy sort of consistency. Um, but also in that, in that light, um, that will eliminate 1.6 billion plastic sachets from food, the food sachets, baby food sachets that go to landfill every year. So, you know, you've got to look at the mitigating factors of investing in that kind of, of strategy. Uh, it may cost a little bit more upfront, but I always, I always ask, well, what's the cost of not doing it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And would a company, for example, like Wonderwin, look at the mitigation? of um products with when it looks at their life cycle sorry sorry repeat that again would a would a would a company and i'm just what i'm trying to do is um put myself in a listener's um feet i'm just thinking well i've got a product um i understand now what to do and i understand what to how to do it but you've just brought in another thing of Actually, you're mitigating the use of sachets, food sachets. So, would is that a normal best practice to bring to bring that mitigation into that cradle to cradle? Because I guess it emphasises the argument for doing it in the first place. Yeah, I mean that was I think one of the most critical things was was a to make it easy for mums and dads, and b to stop pollution. Um, you know the the. The company director addressed a lot of different issues, but those are the two main 
issues that we we discovered were a, a good motivator to to create the business. Uh, and it's a startup business. It's you know it's it's still getting to that point of of mass production and and, and mass market. But it's yeah, the the reality is that those kinds of things are what the cradle to cradle methodology uncover. You know, um, because of the the deep level of assessment that. Uh, these kinds of companies go into um, for their business model. It's not only just for the, for the material health or, or for the energy use or, or their social fairness. It's the whole business model. So it is a multi-attribute approach. And as you know, we do a lot of carbon footprinting at um, Green Element. It, is carbon footprinting something that's brought into the cradle-to-cradle methodology? It is. In, in many respects, um, that's obviously just one aspect of it, right? So there's embedded carbon, there's sequestration, uh, there's all of those discussions around what happens with carbon. Um, and, uh, you know, contrary to, to to currently what's being this net zero carbon um, government strategy, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. You know, this net carbon needs to be, you need to have carbon in the ground. That's what you need to do. That's where it needs to go. It doesn't need to be in the air. It doesn't need to be in, in anything. It needs to be in the ground. If it's going to be in a jersey or in a car or in a phone or in something, make sure that it's able to get back to the earth. That's the most important thing. The net zero concept to me is, is um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't – I understand that the, the – the pseudo logic about it, but it's in reality, if you're looking at the environment and how to, how to address carbon as a, as a, a, a an element on the, on the periodic table, I would say, get it back in the ground. We need some of it and we need some of it in the ground. You know, that's, that's reality. It is, it is bonkers. The terminology and the wording that's now currently being used around carbon and, yeah, we talk about it as a team. It, it doesn't make sense at all. It's, it's just it's bonkers, and it's not helped by academics either. Yeah, sorry to to um, speak over you there, well, but the the reality is I'm carbon. You know, there's a percentage of me that's carbon. You're carbon. The wall I'm sitting behind is there's carbon. It's everywhere. And if we if we're net zero, if that's our goal, then we all just need to die you know because that's it it's we need to go create humus and go <laughs> it's like well that's our goal okay brilliant let's do that i know i'm being slightly uh facetious facetious mm. and, and semantic mm. but that's mm. reality you know i think we've got to really look at the wording and life cycle analysis everybody uses life cycle analysis um but we like to use use cycle analysis as a as an identifier because you know, this water bottle is not living. It has a use cycle, but it does mm-hmm. not live. So, yeah. you know, and it's not about wanting to correct anybody or anything like that or, or being, as you say, facetious. It's just about getting the perspective of what is the right way to look at this thing, you know, um, and use the right terminology. And and this is the, the other side of the cradle-to-cradle methodology is that there, there is language in there that is different to the mainstream. Um, and, and that's why I'm saying we've got to challenge that mediocrity and challenge the uh, the norm, as it were. Um, and and now that we've got almost 8,000 credit credit certified products out there in the world, um, people are starting to wake up and realize that actually there is 
there's something to this crazy stuff, you know. Mm. I, I'm I'm realizing that we should definitely change some of the wording on our website now. Um, and so I will talk to the team about that <laughs> after this conversation because we fall into the LCA category. <laughs> yeah, but also look at it in terms of, you know, it's, it, I really, I, we, we joke about it and it, it is actually quite funny because, you know, the stuff we assess is not living. So mm. why would we create that as a LCA? <laughs> yeah, no, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um it may, yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really, if you think about it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as an organisation, I am sure you practice what you preach um, with regards to um, sustainability in the environment. I mean, is there any advice that you can offer um, as a because as an organisation? Yeah. I think for all intents and purposes, you know, we're a, we're a, a smallish organization. Um, most of us are on bicycles and or motorbikes. Um, I, I yet, I've yet to, to, um, order and purchase my Tesla, but as a, as a practical day to day, um, application of what we, 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 I, I say, yeah, develop as, as a consultancy, um, I think the key element for us is to to be authentic to our business model. So, you know, the authenticity of the littlest things, you know, and this, but all all the things that we know start at home, you know. Um, so it is about separating your waste and going that extra mile down to the bottle bins and doing those little things that we we seem to be, un, you know, sort of mundane. But when you, we challenge those things within ourselves, it's easier to do that with another company or with an organization or with another person because you've done it yourself, you know. So mm. in all of my presentations, the, the last slide is make it your own. So however you feel is your your conscience knows what's, you know, what's right in terms of your, your behavior, you know. Um, and, and my company slogan is design with a conscience because that ultimately is we know what's right and wrong we know that we need to design these things better we need we need all of these elements to come together and that aligns with our conscience ultimately you know um so i guess the the, the answer to your question is the the advice would be to to align with your company conscience and if that doesn't align with your integrity Change the change that metric. Change the the vision, if you wish, of the company. You know. Okay, that's interesting. Thank you. It's been fascinating talking to you and yeah. learning more. And I think it is. It's a mind shift, isn't it? It's a mindset, and it's thinking about what we buy. It's thinking about how we design, and it's thinking about. Um, Actually, that, that reminds me of a conversation I had earlier on about uh, a brand design agency that are looking to bring a sustainability consultant in-house. Uh, it actually fits in with exactly what we're talking about today, doesn't it? And um, bringing, if they're rebranding to um, bring that whole life cycle, uh, um, pro, not life cycle. Um, <laughs> I forget what you mean. <laughs> um, Funny. 
anyway, yeah, but bringing bringing it bringing that methodology methodology into everything that we do and how we do it. I think it's a very important element for new brands and and well, even old brands kind of coming up. Uh, you know, realigning their 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 comm strategy in terms of the authenticity. You know, how eco are they? How sustainable are they? Mm. And and measuring up to that. And if they're you know, if a bad agency has a client that isn't aligning with certain values, people like us can come in and say, "Hey, guys, we've got some options here that you could look at. You know, how about this kind of packaging or that kind of." logistics plan or you know there's there's ways that you can start aligning with a really good messaging you know i mean we've all i've worked in advertising half my life and you know it's all about selling the stuff but is the stuff sellable and that's the reality when now youngsters are looking at at products the first thing that they look at is okay how eco-friendly is it they want to identify with those values so if if you know if the brand agency is is not delivering that to the client and the client's not delivering that to the brand agency that that communication is an, an inauthentic path of their sustainable messaging so it, it makes sense to align with that really really well you know yeah no absolutely absolutely brilliant thank you so much for coming on today thank you you're welcome and- thank you for having me Today we had Brendan on. He's brilliant. Um, he has his own SoundCloud account um, and is a part-time DJ and DJ'd a lot when he was in his younger years. He has had a checkered history and I absolutely loved talking to him. I mean, almost more importantly, wasn't it great listening all about um not life cycle analysis. What was it? You tell me. Anyway, on that note, what would be good is if you've got any feedback for us, could you possibly give us a shout at podcast at greenelement.co.uk and let us know what you think. Give us a score on iTunes or any of the podcast platforms that you listen to. Go on, reach out to us. It'd be really good to hear from you because we're doing this podcast for you. So hopefully speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.